So welcome back to this next episode of the Basis of Sikhi podcast. And today we have a very special uh, topic, a very powerful moving one as well. Um, and that's for many reasons, I guess, right, which we can discuss uh, today as well. And that's on 1984, right? So just straight away, Mandeep Singh, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and speaking to us about 1984 with all the research and codes that you've done, you know, over the years. Um, and you've done multiple talks in 1984, right? And the days before and after, right? Um, but just one question, just to start off with quickly then, is if somebody says 1984 to you, what's the first word? Or maybe what is the first thought that comes to your mind when you think about the word 1984? Revolution. Hmm. That's the, the first thought that comes to mind. And I think... A lot of people won't think of that initially. They'll think of massacre or genocide or shahidi, and rightly so, or maybe even a kal takht. But there's a huge, there's a there's a massive context to 1984. It was not an isolated incident. It wasn't this last minute attack and the rhetoric that's used by the state, where they had to attack or there were no other options. That was the furthest thing from the truth. Hmm. There was a revolution taking place, and it wasn't necessarily for Khalistan. It was for the rights of the Punjabis and the rights of the Sikh in Punjab. But then that resultantly led to the Sikh deciding that they had no other option and realizing that they weren't happy and also safe in mm. their own so-called so -called country, that the only other option was now to, to fight and to struggle for an autonomous state. Mm. And so, uh, sorry, just, just to make it relatable for people who, who can't put their mind into the context of this. Yeah. Um, how could we explain it in a way that they could understand today? Like, what were the Sikhs going through at that time? What were they living that they were that they got to this point? Yeah. So should should we start with that? Just the context is. Hanji, yeah. we can go for the overview. Hanji, definitely. Yeah. So I think it's important. Obviously, 1984 for anyone that's unaware marks in June. Anyways, the the attack on the first of June and that lasted for around ten days and slightly longer than that. The attack on City Harmandir Sahib, also known as the Golden Temple. Uh, by the Indian state, by the Indian army, in which tens of thousands of innocent Sikh uh, were made shaheed and killed in cold blood um, for for no apparent reason other than they were Sikh and their own identity. And when we saw these amazing shaheeds, these amazing good Sikhs, uh, put up a fight against the Indian state army um, and achieve things that no one ever thought would be possible. And the Sakhian will touch on those later on um, as to specific people and what they did and how they defended and what that defense looked like. But it was definitely wasn't an isolated incident, as I mentioned before, and that's paramount to understanding why things happened and what the buildup was. And we can trace it back to partition in 1947, where Punjab was split in half by the British as they were leaving India and the so-called Radcliffe line that created Pakistan on the left-hand side of Punjab. And what's now Punjab or part of Punjab in India today and if you look at the map of Punjab, it used to be like a butterfly. Um, the, the, the shape uh, mimicked a butterfly and that got literally sawn in half. And even from then where we had just very briefly Sikhs being offered their own country, cutting a long story short, you had the Muslims led by the Muslim League um, obtaining Pakistan and then obviously Hindus, if you like, or Congress party at that time obtaining India. And all these false promises by the likes of Nehru, who was the prime minister, or the first prime minister of India, uh, the father of Indira Gandhi, and also um, so you know people like Mohandas Gandhi, 
who is known for being the savior in India, which is, is not the case at all. Um, people like them, quote unquote, saying that we see no reason why the Sikhs can't experience the glow of freedom in the North region of India if they stay with India. And for many reasons, the Sikhs decided to stay with India. The declaration was created for India as a state. It was organized as it is now. And then what you find is Punjab in particular is singled out and bullied, if you like, and not treated, let alone in a special consideration, but on par with every other state. Things like the Punjabi language was attacked and is still being attacked. Sikhi in its own identity is not recognized. And even till today, the 1949-1950 Constitution of India has not been signed by any Sikh because under Article 25, Subclause B, it says that we are just a branch of Hinduism. Mm. So you see all these indifferences coming about. Electricity, if you still go to India, India today, Punjab today, we still see those things. So in February when we went as yeah, well. Yeah, and mm. no one drinks the water there, right? Mm. But it's crazy because the amount of water that we have in Punjab and electricity is, is produced in Punjab. Mm. So why is it that we're not getting our fair share? Uh, all these things, as well as other things, both culturally, geographically, economically, and religiously, were what the Sikh and the Punjabis were fighting for in these, these 40 years or so that led up to 1984. Um, so that's a general overview. We can go into specifics mm. chronologically as as we progress mm. through that topic. But it's really important to realize that this started in 1947. Mm. And then in essence, our demands not being met led to the Indian army or the state of India saying that we need to teach these guys a lesson. And the way we're going to do that is by hitting them right at the heart. Mm. And that was due in 1984. And, and so, you know, these demands, um, they were drafted into an official document, right, called yep. the Anandpur Sahib Resolution. So could you just touch and explain on what that is? Hanji, so in 1971, a lot of the main Gursiks of the Panth came together and took two years to draft this resolution. Mm. So by then, by then, we would have had the Punjabi Subha movement 10, 15 years earlier, which argued for Punjab to have its first language as Punjabi. So it's crazy we're even saying that, right? Imagine in England. English wasn't the first preferred language, mm. right? Or we had to speak French. That's the equivalent of the things people were protesting for, being killed for, mm. and putting their livelihoods on the line for. So putting that, to, uh, you know, bypassing that, and also we had the Punjab Reorganization Act in 1966, I believe, mm. where the Punjab from partition was then cut into a third. So then we have Haryana and um, another state, Hamatul Pradesh, actually being detrunked uh, from Punjab. And now we see the original little the heart of the butterfly, if you like, of Punjab, as we know it. Mm. So then in 1971, the Gursiks came together and realized, right, we need to tackle this professionally, if you like, or by the law, however you want to think about this. We need to start organizing ourselves to be serious about this. And for two years, they deliberated and did vichar and came together. And they have this set of resolutions called the Anand Prasad Resolutions, which talks about many, many things, economic policies, um, fair investment for Punjab. It was unproportionate in terms of the GDP Punjab produced for India and the timely percentage of funding we were getting back as a return. Um, also things like having autonomy in terms of a state, giving Chandigarh back to Punjab, because even till today, the capital of Punjab is Chandigarh, which is, outside which is geographically Punjab. outside of Punjab, <laughs> yeah. which allows the Indian state to mm. call it a union territory, mm. which means that as every other state, 
has some degree of autonomy, that means that Delhi runs Punjab um, more so than any other state, which obviously paralyzes Punjab in terms of its autonomy and the decision making it has. Mm. Other things as simple as being able to broadcast Kirtan from Harmandar Sahib, mm. things we take for granted on PTC Punjab as we watch Raras in the evening and things. Um, Social economic rights, having water mm. um, demands met, um, having electricity, uh, farmers, you, we heard about the Kasan Murta, having fair crop prices, all of these mm. things are, are not recent things that have been, people have been fighting for these since 1947. So, so these are just basic human rights, which mm. you would expect in any democratic country Hanji. that the population should have, right? Hanji. Exactly. And, it's, and the, the thing to, to be critical about is that we're not asking for anything special, mm. even though we were promised special things. Mm. Um, and that's really important to understand because we're just asking for the, a, share, a fair, pe fair piece of the pie. Mm. Um, and that's what people, a lot of people don't realize. And even if you look at the creation of India as a state, in terms of the, the lives given for India to be freed from the shackles of the British, mm. we were currently as Sikhs, a 2% population, 2% of the population but figures show that over 70% of people that gave their lives in the Indian independence movement were Sikh. So if you have 2% of a country being represented by a people and that people giving 70% of the Shahidiyya, mm. you'd think that there should be some special consideration, if not just equal treatment. Sorry, just to explain what, what is Shahidiyya? Shahidiyya is just when someone uh, is given their life for a cause or in English what we call a martyr. So 70% of the lives given for India's independence were Sikhs And mm. that was when we made up only 2% of the population wow. So we're not asking for a lot mm. Just to be on a level playing field And just so that people can live happily mm. And st stably in Punjab which, is, which still isn't the case today mm. Like Gadavi Singh is saying about human rights, right? It's yep. something very simple and there was, was there two resolutions, right? There was the first and there was the second Anandpur Sahib resolution. Anji, so I believe it was revised in 1978 as well. Anji. And that's when things started to become more serious because I guess Sikhs had been knocking on the door of India for so long mm -hmm. with, with no response. And did you want to talk briefly about 1978 as well and the Shaheeds of the 13 Guru Sikhs? Because that did escalate things quite a bit more as well, right? In Sidi Amr Sada Sahib. Anji, so we had, um, just cutting a long story short, the um, the Shahids, the Vasaki Shahids mm. in 1978, where there were there were people doing biadabi or disrespecting Gurbani, disrespecting the Panjabiyade, disrespecting mm. um, Guru Granth Sahib Ji and the Nirankari cult, which was state-sponsored, um, and their leader going around Harmandir Sahib at that point, saying that they've created this new type of Amrit. Uh, and instead of Panj Bihari, they've now got Sat Sitari. So mocking the Vasaki ceremony, mocking the Amrit Sanjar ceremony, and trying to make a mockery of Sikhi. Mm. And we had there, there were a, a bunch of things from the Taksal Jatha and also the Khan Kirtani group that came together and went to pro peacefully protest and were met by not only people of the Nirankari cult fighting back and firing back, but also protection from the police as well. Yeah. And that led to 13 Singhs being Shaheed, uh, one of the most prominent ones being Shaheed by Fawjah Singhji, who was a great Gursik mm. and did a lot to inspire the youth at that point. Mm. And that was a real turning point for a lot of Nojawan um, that then went on to join the freedom movement mm. or the the human rights movement, if we, if we call it that, mm. because they realized that we've been trying for the past 20, 30 years to do things peacefully and we're just being hit 
with bricks to our faces. Even longer, I'd say, I'd say like 50, 60 years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess you can take it back to the 20s, right? And they're seeing mm. Saba movement and stuff. Um, so that was a, a point in time in our history where a lot of people realized that the only way we are going to get our demands met is through force, mm. which is not the primary option the six wanted to take. But when you're backed into a corner so much and your friends, your family, your religion is on, on the line, then you have no other option. Mm. And that was the case in 1984 and, and the years after that. And you know, people like try to shy away from this topic where well, this is a taboo thing that Anya. why did Sikhs pick up arms and stuff? Yeah. But if we look at our history, it's actually very prominent from the Guru Sahib's time. Anji. Whenever anything happened, Guru Hargobind, when Guru Arjan Dev Ji Maharaj was Shaheed, yeah. Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji picked up arms, right? When, I, when Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib Ji was Shaheed, Anji. Guru Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj picked up arms. So this stuff comes in our history, Anji. but why is it such a taboo subject now? In this day and age, because in this recent times, it's quite a deep question. I think I guess we're wondering why is it somehow in us in, in a lot of secular psyche is that we should not have weapons or weapons are a bad thing, right? Where it's actually the, the it's in our DNA. And just giving context to what you said, Kanubi Singh, Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji Maharaj, the sixth Guru, when they created Akal Takht, um, the governance or the governing body of of the Sikhs, if you like, they also created the first army called Akal Senna. Uh, Akal means uh, is a name for Wahiguru or the timeless Senna means army. And that would be where 2,200 uh, 2, horsemen would always be stationed ready. So that was the first version of the Pants army. And they themselves um, created an institution at Kaltak where Shastars were also revered and given a lot of respect, but also to be adorned. So Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji sent out the buttons, the hukams, the instruction to now come and greet me with weapons with soldiers, with horses, and with anything that we can start defending ourselves with. And a lot of people question, why were they there in a, in a holy place, in a religious place such as Hadwandar Sahib with weapons? That was wrong. That was inviting the trouble. Mm -hmm. And if we look at it, first of all, just from a, a logical point of view, this was not a last minute attack. There are plenty of reports to show that in 1982, in Doon Valley, which is a valley just north of Punjab, I believe, there was actually a mock replica of Harmandir Sahib created mm. and the Indian state, their special forces were told to create a mock battle plan for what was about to happen in 1984. And also Margaret Thatcher's SAS at that point were sent in to help them plan and prepare this. Mm. So that's two years prior. Now, obviously the Singhs and the Pant and the Sikhs realized that these guys have made Harmandir Sahib in a different place. Mm. They're reenacting how they're going to how they're planning to invade Harmandir Sahib. Mm. If you have that information as a Sikh and you do nothing about it, that's embarrassing. Mm. Now imagine our homes, imagine you have word that someone's coming to attack your home. Mm. You're not going to sit there and watch CBBC, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're going to do what you can to defend it. Or you might call the police. Mm. You'd be reactive and proactive. So in the same way, to anyone that asks why did they have weapons, my question to that would be, why wouldn't you have weapons mm. if you know someone's coming to attack your home? And mm. that's what Harmandir Sahib is. And there are plenty of references, not just in the past 30 years, in the Guru Sahib's time, where the battles of Guru Hargobind Sahib where people have attacked Amritsar, mm. and Guru Hargobind Sahib spared no one. Mm. If you look at the times of Ahmed Shah Abdali, you sent Masarangar to go and desecrate Harmandir Sahib. Mm. And you have by Sukha Singh Ji, by Matab Singh Ji go in mm. and take his head off. Mm. There's no two ways about that. We've got the precedent that's been sent by people in the past. Whoever has attacked Harmandir Sahib has only ever met one fate. Mm. 
because there's no other there's no other option for that. Mm-hmm. That is the highest biadbi, that is the highest disrespect anyone can do for a Sikh. Now, secondly, in a Qal Takht itself, there are weapons. And in every Gurdwara, there are weapons. And when we take Amrit, we're told to keep weapons and learn um, learn the art of, of weaponry. So it's it's our duty in a sense. And that's mm. not me saying that. That's not a random person saying it. That's Guru Sahib saying it. Mm. And that's Sikhi in its essence. And it comes in Gurbani, right? About that, Yeh Hamari Peer. Hanji. That we, we actually do um, devotional worship to, to Shastra, to weapons. Hanji. That's how high we regard the weapons. So Sikhs aren't really a pacifist religion in that sense, no. right? But we've been kind of whitewashed or brainwashed to think that, oh, we need to be pacifist or we need to compromise or stuff like this. Yeah. But in in that sense, we were never like that, right? No, quite the opposite. And there's an interesting book um, I was reading about the effect of the British in Punjab. And one of the first things they did was ban a long karpan. So a karpan now, unfortunately, we've reduced to a nine inch, what looks like a tuksali karpan, hana. Mm. Um, but in the olden days, a karpan would be a full on talwar. And one of the first things the British did after the fall of Maharaj Singh's empire in 19, 1847 or 1849, whatever that is, is ban um, having a karpan longer than a certain length. Mm. Um, and a lot of the Gursikhs at that time, that's why they migrated out of Punjab and went to places like Hazur Sahib, which is why we see such traditions still being maintained there, mm. because it's been free of British, um, British effect, if you like. Mm. Um, so these things have been you know, instilled with us for a very long time. But I am happy to say that there is, um, it's quite refreshing to see that a lot of people are trying to connect to the Guru's teaching in mm. its purest form. And a lot of these things are starting to come back. Mm. And it's important to realize we're not an aggressive, we're not, we're not going out there to bully people. Mm. We act in defense, but also we don't take any crap from anyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like, like admitting that, right? Um, and it's important to realize. If you just look at what Viji said earlier about being pacifist as well, um, we can see good examples from Etahas of both sides that like you got the side of tolerance, right, which is very important as well. So there's being passive, there's being like passive, but there's also being very tolerant to things as well. Anji. Just like how Guru Arjun Devji, they gave Shahidi yep. and they showed us the levels of tolerance. Anji. Right. So then, but then it was actually them, Guru Arjun Devji, who gave the button to Guru Hargobanji to their son to then pick up weapons. Anji. Right? Exactly. So like people don't even realize that because they say, why did Guru Hargobanji you do that for? But you have to realize that it was their father who Andy. told them to do that. It was a hukum. Uh, when they gave Shahidi, they told the Guru Sikhs, tell my son now to be Shastartari. Right? And even um, when it came to like, the battles of um, Sri Amritsar Sahib, that battle that they fought um, when their daughter was going to get married, then Andy. as well, Bibi Vidoji. Um, it was, I remember reading it. It's like half the soldiers would go and do Ishnan in the Sarovar. The other half would stand on God. Yep. The Amritsar over the pool around um, the Golden Temple, we refer to as sometimes. Um, but do you get what I mean? So, you know, when people saying that, why was there soldiers in uh, Hadamandarasai when they attacked? Yeah. But it's like Guru Hargobanji had their Guru Sikhs bathe in the Sarovar um, before they were fighting and, the, and fighting against all the the soldiers at that time. I think it was maybe, was it Shah Jahan's army? I think it was that was coming attack. Maybe Jahan so, Yeah. So, so just give me some context that first of all, the Guru was showing us a level of tolerance. Yeah. Um, like you said, we're not aggressive, Pant. There's always a level of tolerance, whether it was then, whether it was Guru Tegh Bahadurji. And uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, Guru Teg, but you show on the levels of levels of tolerance as well. Even though they fought in one battle, I think it was the side, they fought in the third jung of the father, the fourth one. But they that's something to highlight, and I think you made that you made that point here. We're not aggressive, but just Thank showing you. that tolerance is very important. Uh, and then from that, then it's time to pick up the sword. But even uh, in battle, 
if mm. you find a really common tradition with even Guru Sahib, they wouldn't ever attack first. Anji. They would let the oppressed, the enemy attack first and then they would do their war. Anji. And it's, it's important. I know um, we quote that a lot mm. and even just saying we're not aggressive. But at the same time, if someone oversteps the line, then we are aggressive yeah. and we shouldn't be afraid to say that. Yeah. Uh, and the gurus themselves dictated that and mm. people like Sanjanel Singh Ji, mm. you know, Masarangar, Amish, uh, you know, all those people, sorry, um, Whoever it is, Baba Deep Singh themselves, they didn't go out looking for trouble. But when trouble came, then it's no holds back, right? And I think it's important that um, we're not too tolerant of these things Mm because then people start walking over us, Mm -hmm. uh, which is easier said than done. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then just talking very briefly as well about the Taramiyod Morcha as well, the Morcha that are happening at that time as well. Can we touch upon that and what that actually means? Yeah. What is a Morcha? What were these Morche happening at that time as well, G? Yeah. Um, leading up to because there's a lot of Mahapurish, a lot of other Guru Sikhs involved in that, even like someone like Baba Harnam Singh Ji, Rampur Kere, uh, Wale Mahapurish, a lot of people have probably heard about and read their books as well. Yeah, yeah. Involved in like going to, uh, like volunteering, how do you say, like going to prisons and, yeah. and going to jail and stuff like that, right? Or, as, all, as all part of a um, a protest, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the Tanamiyud Morche was a culmination of a few things. Um, and even before then, we have Sanskaratar Singh Ji who was um, yeah, so the leader of the Dantamritak Sala, right? Um, who even starts protesting against the Indian state um, from as early as 1975, when Indira Gandhi uh, actually committed electoral fraud um, and the state of Allahabad court actually did her over for this. Oh. And it's in that point where she, she suspended the constitution for 19 months and acted as a dictator. And who were the first people that came out and protested uh, did a murcha. Murcha is an agitation, if you like, against this. It was Sandhkartar Singh Ji and the Sikhs. So from the offset, there was always a Sikh that came out, whether it's for the Pala or for the whole cause of India or even Punjab itself, we were the ones standing up. So I guess you could have, you could say we have been a thorn in her foot for a long time, um, which was self-induced. You know, we didn't decide to just go against Indira Gandhi. Mm. She planted her own seeds in that sense. Mm. But going forward, after the final version of the Anadpursar resolution was drafted in 1978, again, these fell on deaf ears. The demands fell on deaf ears. And... Under the leadership of Janal Singh Ji, um, they realized that we now have to start taking this a level higher because through documentation and through paper, nothing's happening. And there we see the start of the Taram Yud Morita, which is a really poor, important agitation within the Sikh Panth. And Taram means righteous or righteousness. Yud is a battle. Morita again is an agitation. So it's the agitation for a righteous battle, if you like, if we translate that in English. And that's where we see people actively taking to the streets, not just Sikhs, Punjabis, because this was for the livelihood of all Punjabis, Hindu and Muslim as well, also got involved. Mm. But then we saw great support from all Jatibandis. You mentioned a lot of Mahapurks, a lot of saints like Haranam Singh Ji, Rampur, Kerawali, and obviously Sant Janel Singh Ji, the Taksal Singhs. And over 250,000 people in Punjab courted arrest in an agitation to this. Wow. So... 250,000 people is not any small number. Mm. A lot of people might think, oh, it's just a few random people getting together and doing a protest. Mm. This was statewide. This was supported by everyone. And again, after now things had become a little bit more physical, there was no violence involved, but now they're taken to the streets. This again still fell out on deaf ears. So that was, Hanji, the Taramiyud Murta was the level up mm. for, uh, in terms of being heard and um, our resolutions being acknowledged. And then building up from there, then getting to 1984, what other stuff was happening? Like, you know, you can watch the speeches online of Santa Ji as well, uh, Sanjana Singh Ji, and you can almost feel the atmosphere 
I like uh, Golden Amanji Sahib. Yeah. Uh, and and these kind of things happening. So what was the next step then? What was this? What was that build up then to that day happening June the first? So there's a few things happening. I guess you have the political side of it, the Tarmiyud Mawrta. It's, it's, it's religious and political, but I guess uh, in terms of the, the struggle, um, you have those things. But at the same time, you see a reju- rejuvenation of Sikhim Punjab and you see figureheads heads like Sanjana Singhji not only looking at things from a social, uh, political view, but also bringing a lot of people back into Sikhi, mm. as the Taksal did uh, with the previous leaders as well. And this was also a thorn in the state of India because one of the agendas of that time if you like and you can even argue today is to suppress Sikh in their Sikhi and because it's a threat as governments of the past whether it's the British whether it's the Mughals whether it's um, Ahmed Shah Abdali and the Afghans they all realize that Sikhi is powerful and Sikhi is dangerous um, in terms of fighting against the ty- tyranny we are putting upon people so they acknowledged this um, and Sanjana Singhji was a figurehead for doing Prachar and they travelled across all cities in India um, promoting Sikhi, taking people off Nashe, which is drugs, taking people away from alcohol, connecting people to Gurbani and Seva um, in the masses, in the thousands. And their speeches, you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. on top of the Langar Hall and sometimes in Manji Sahib, around Harmandir Sahib, would attract thousands upon thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the parents from the Sikhi class actually mentioned on Saturday that she actually got to meet Sanjana Singhji and she went to one of the speeches and it was really interesting she was saying the traction that they had people had so much faith in them and also the good sick they were anything they would say people would listen to and they would have full faith in Um, and it's really important to realize that they weren't a random leader that emerged the reason they were so successful in revitalizing and rejuvenating Sikhi within Punjab was because of the Kamai they had they had earned Sikhi in that sense for 15-20 15-20 years of hard seva and reading a lot of Gurbani, doing a lot of Bhakti and that allowed them to have the virtues to actually start this revolution and take it right to the front mm-hmm. um, and she was mentioning that people from all over the world had come to meet them mm-hmm. so it wasn't just a few people in Punjab people from England, Canada, Australia, America uh, and people from all over India had come just to see them and listen to what they were saying mm-hmm. because they captured the hearts of the Punjab and they captured the hearts of, of Sikhs at that time and they were the voice of the month at that point. You know, not not to go too much into Santaji Jeevani because, you know, this is such a big topic. And, and hopefully um, we can do a podcast on them separately in the future. Yeah. Uh, but just like a few things that come to mind, which sound a bit so obvious, but never clicked in my mind. This first thing is like we say Sant Janel Singh, you know? Yeah. And we say like Sant Sapahi. Yeah. And like Sant Janel. Janel is more like, you know, what are you like? It's general. A, a general Handy or a, so a warrior. Like, so it's like their name, how we refer to them. It's like they've already got Sant Sapahi in the name. Handy, and they, yeah. And they, so I just kicked in my head at some point think, duh. Like, <laughs> oh, I never time. thought about that. Yeah, so that's really mm-hmm. crazy to think about. Even the name Sant, Sant Janel Singh, you know, how we say that. Even though Sant is, is a, title that's given afterwards but it's really mind-blowing another thing is that i will talk about this in the car on the way up we were testing some people about like what was the capital city of punjab but like when they when they took birth as well was in 1947 right and that's when the partition happened yeah yeah and that was i think that's one of the biggest um like amount of deaths that occurred in the world i think 10 million people like were mass migration mass migration yeah it's one of the biggest recorded and recorded and and, you know whenever something really big happens in the world Mm. when there's like you know such negativity 
you know, there always has to be a balance. Yeah. So why go to you always sends, you know, I'll always quote this punkti, but it fits so well. Like, you know, Jab Jab Hot Arista Pada, Taba Taba Dehe, Tada Tava Tada, Guru Gobi Sindhi saying to us that whenever there's tyranny, then why could you always sends uh somebody to restore that balance and to help the saints, right? And help the, the people that are downtrodden. So it's almost as like at that time, 1947, at the same time, look look who's come to earth um, to basically resolve that, right? And to and bring the balance back. Because it all links back to the first question I asked you is what you think about 1984 and you said revolution, right? Which is um, very powerful. So so I just want to mention that about like Santaji as well. And even in the previous podcast, uh, Saad Jeevanpal Singh mentioned Santa Singhji coming, Santa Ishra Singhji coming at these really interesting times in India mm. where Sikhi was on the, on, the, on, on the downward trend, if you want. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So just echoing what you're saying, definitely mm. Guru Sahib sends their pagats mm. or their uh, certain avatars um, whenever the time it, uh, requires of it. And even just the Sakhi comes to mind um, about this actually that captures this very well. So, Two leaders prior to Sanjay Nelson, you were Sanjay Gurbachan Singhji. Mm. And if anyone's read uh, their Jeevani, Pavitra Jeevan, is it? The Gyan Kirana. Gyan Kirana by Guru. Mm. Um, you'll hear this Sakhi within there about the Shahid Disrobar. Mm. Um, so I believe they were at Jamgaur Sahib and they did 40 days of, of prayer of Jap. And after the 40 days, upon the hills around Jamgaur Sahib, a tunnel emerged and they were curious and they followed the tunnel through. And as they followed the tunnel through, they emerged and they saw these massive trees and they saw these pools of water, sarovers if you like, all around and they were quite confused initially as to where they'd come and as they approached closer and got out of that tunnel if you like, they saw these human figures that were very very big in stature and as they examined them a bit closely they realised these are Sings and after that kind of getting an idea as to what's going on, one of the Sings actually called them out by their name and said Gurbachan Singh, come over here and when starting a dialogue, they got closer and they saw these trees and there were shastar hanging off all of the trees. So weapons hanging off all the trees. And they got closer and they realized it was a sing. It was a sing in a damala, in a jola, flourished with karpans. And after asking them, who are you? Where have I come? They mentioned that I'm Pai Taru Singh, I'm Baba Deep Singh Ji. These are all the shaheeds of the Pant. Mm. And at that point, Sandhikar Bachan Singh Ji said, what are you guys doing? Why are you here? Uh, what's your purpose? And they simply said that we're waiting. And Sangur Bhattin Singh Ji said, what are you waiting for? And they replied by saying, we're waiting for the hukam, we're waiting for the order from Wahiguru or from mm. Guru Gobind Singh Ji to go back on earth wherever they send us. Mm. So it's, we're so blessed in the sense that we have this whole army mm. of souls that are waiting to come back. And who knows when Wahiguru sends a specific one, right? Mm. Um, and even just the other day, I uh, talked to you about it earlier, we realized that Sankirtar Singh Ji, who you mentioned earlier, uh, was actually by Uday Singh Ji in their past life, mm. who was the general of the Pant mm. and gave Shahidi at Sir Sanadi. And when you hear these things, it, it really does inspire you. And this is quite a gloomy topic, or can be quite a gloomy topic, where you mm. think, you know what, what's going to happen to Sikhi? What's going to happen to Punjab? All these things. But when you realize that who's pulling the strings of Sikhi, right? It's Guru mm. Nanak Dev Ji. There's nothing that can overcome them. And it gives you goosebumps. Like, if really you say it gives me goosebumps. Now, and I guess just obviously it's hard to put yourself in the in the shoes of those people at the time. But then you'd think that having such amazing souls around you, that no wonder why they were in Jadadikala. No wonder why they were pushing for this. Because it can be hard. Even out of a podcast, we talked about Sangat. But you got, because again, there's, we, we can single out Sanjana Singh, but there were a lot 
of Guru Sixten, they had a lot Countless. of Kamai, right? Like the websites, you got to like, never forget 1984. And like they talk, you can read the Jeevanese of other Guru Sikhs. And hopefully you can go through some other names as well of Shaheed Singhs. Hanji. And their Kamai was just, um, was, you know, on another level, right? I think when we see the Guru Sikhs, we always see them at that end point of their life. Like, Hanji. But then yeah. we don't realize it took a whole life of Abhyas and Kamai and so much like hard work and, and Gurbani part. And then they got to that point. Like we so we think it's so fickle and so easy just to get shahidi like that, Anji. but it's not really because who you have to be worthy of it, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think also in our personal lives, one thing that that came out to me is that you can overcome any obstacle mm. with Gurbani, you know, or with Sikhi if you're Sikhi strong. You know, they had the basic, biggest obstacle obstacle of, of bullets coming their way, mm. and they laughed back and fired back, you know, and mm. howled it down. Um, our obstacles hopefully aren't that bad, but whatever <laughs> stress, jobs, money, family. Siva, whatever it might be, these guys have epitomized Sikhi and mm. showed us that whether it's bullets flying at you or any of the problems, mm. Guru Sahib has all the answers, Wai Guru. Mm. Um, and they've just re-emphasized what our history has taught us throughout. Mm. At any point in history, you'll see Guru Sikhs doing crazy, crazy things, things that the world will describe as impossible. Mm. But through the Karpa of the Guru, as Sanjanayal Singh Ji, the other Singhs, by Menga Singh Ji, and all these other great Gurmukhs, they've shown time and time again that with Guru Sahib's hand upon our heads, anything's mm. achievable. Even if that means fighting the state of India mm. with with crappy guns <laughs> and a few hundred people, that's no problem. 100%. And Gadi Singh mentioned this in another podcast right, about their spirit yep. was, was much bigger than the, the enemies, right? And even though their weapons were not as great, yep. it was a spirit. And even just a puncture that comes to mind when you talked about the whole idea of Gurbani and they laughed at the bullets, it's like the Pehla Marna Kabul, that they'd given up they, they've accepted definitely yep. they, they have no hope in life right so they become the dust of the fear of the other guru sikhs right yeah uh, and that's just is you know we can see that within their jeevanis and the way they live their lives and how inspiring it is uh so it kind of it gives a lot of hope i'd say as well when you hear these kind of sake and that's what they had a lot of uh, put the hopes and desires into guru Sahib, that you think that you know whatever happens in life they're going to keep sending these Guru Sikhs back and you know those, those are the ones that are gonna you know push things forward for Guru Sabji's grace Anji. and we just have to just make sure we're there to do a little 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 <laughs> little little part yeah. right just you know whatever little tiny part we can do to help push it along by 0.001% <laughs> if that right um, so where do you want to take this now Vij? do you want to talk a bit more about some of the other Guru Sikhs the other Shaheed Sikhs or do you want to go for the actual days uh you let us know what you want to do now with this podcast. Yeah, I think we can just give an overview as to ha what happened each day. Um, so on the on the 1st of June, we see the first set of um, attacks happen. And also prior to that, within Amritsar as a city, we see all these restrictions. So there was a curfew. People were not, were not allowed to leave their homes at a specific time or walk through the streets at a specific time. And you could also ask, why June? Why did this happen in June? And there's a few main factors, I believe, that provides a reason to this. Uh, one was because of the grain strikes that were ha meant to happen as part of the Tarmiyud Murcha. So on the 1st of June, the farmers of Punjab had agreed to stop sending out grain to the rest of India. Now, even today, in uh, Punjab is referred to as the breadbasket of India, i.e. all the main food source is from Punjab. So on the 1st of June, they were going to, as part of the agitation, stop sending out grain to the rest of India, which would have giving India a huge burden. Mm. So that's one thing to take into account. Also, you can argue that if they wanted to go in and flush out these militants, 
why did they choose one of the busiest days of the year in Harmandar Sahib? You know, within the early days of June, we commemorate the Shahidi of Guru Arjun Dev Ji. Anjum. And there were tens of thousands of members of Sangat that have come to Harmandar Sahib, especially for that. Mm. So it's important to understand the context. And also it's important to understand that Sanjay Nelson Ji had been arrested in 1982 mm. and they were freed and there was nothing that was put on them. So these false accusations about these people trying to declare their own country, it, when you look at the grand scheme of things, none of it makes any sense. Was there even an arrest warrant for Santaji? So initially there was, mm. but after they were freed because there was no charges that, that held up in court. Andrew. So that was in 1982. Mm. And there were even um, army generals um, that said that, let me go in and speak with Sanjay Nalasinghe. But those people that offered a different solution to a full-scale attack were taken off the mission known as Operation Blue Star. Mm. So it's very interesting when you take everything into account. There's only one solution that comes out. And that is that this was a strike at the heart of Sikhi. Mm. So on the 1st of June, we see shots being fired and we see the first Shaheed by Menga Singh Ji Baba, also known as Kalwant Singh. And even his Shahidi, he was on the tower of Baba Atalarai, which is a Gurdwara um, at the back of Harmandir Sahib, eight stories high. And they started returning fire and he was shot in his forehead. And there's a very famous Saki about his Shahidi. When he's shot in his forehead, um, he's reading Sukhumni Sahib and only after finishing the Sukhumni Sahib part, he gives a Shahidi. Right. And before giving his last breath, the Gurmukhs ask, Bhai Sahib, how are you? And he smiles and he says, I'm in Tardikala. Hmm. Even though he's got a bullet between his eyes, he said, I'm absolutely fine. I'm in high spirits. And after that, he gives his Shahidi. So we see Singh start becoming Shahid from the 1st of June. And then we start seeing the retaliation um, from the Gurmukhs a few days later. So, the army shot for two days outside before they actually entered. We had artillery, we had cannon fire coming in from all, all, all sides of Harmandir Sahib. Um, and we see this stern resolve from the Sikhs, the Sikhs at the time, uh, who kept faith in Waheguru and welcomed it and were not scared in any way, shape or form. And just to um, clarify, this was continuous, like a barrage of continuous fire, right? Hanji. For hours on end. Hanji. Yeah, so non-stop for two mm -hmm. or three days. And we get to the 3rd of June, which is actually the day of, or in that year, the day that Guru Arjun Dev Ji Shahidi um, was commemorated. And at that point, people around Harmandir Sahib had started coming to protest. And when they came, thousands of people were trapped in Harmandir Sahib. A lot of people were allowed into Amrit Sahib, even the trains, the coaches were allowing people in, but there was no exit. And even to, within Harmandir Sahib, people were allowed in but no one was allowed to leave. So it's as if they were bottlenecking all the Sangat with their Hanumandar Sahib mm. in order to try and cause as much destruction as possible. Mm. And it's important that we look at other sources, not just Sikhs. Um, and on the 3rd of June, we have Ami Arao, who was a reporter for the Citizens of Democracy. And she says that innocent people were slaughtered like rats, first letting them into the complex, then declaring a curfew, which prevented them from getting out. And then thousands of court unaware and then finally when the survivors were asked to surrender they were shot in cold blood so the amount of references i could sit here and literally just read off screens the amount of people that have eyewitness accounts um sick and non-sick the amount of investigations um and the amount of people that have looked into this from a non-sick background there's there's plenty of evidence to suggest that this was murder in cold blood and there's no two ways about it um, and then we even see um, Brahma Kelani of the Associated Press of India at that time. She herself witnessed 13 people killed. And she said that the stars were used 
to actually tie people's hands behind their back. And then she said that 200 army men um, were actually killed by the Sings. So there was a very, very strong resi resistance. And she herself was charged with sedition, i.e. planning conspiracy against the Indian, army, um, Indian state. And she was not allowed to tell her full story. So straight away, we have the Indian state suppressing who can come in. Those people that were trying to report were given grief, attacked, and even killed. And then we see the Sangha totally unaware being trapped and being killed in cold blood. But in a very glass sense, we see the Sings fighting back and mm. not letting anyone get close to the best of their ability. And, and you know, just to put this into context of maybe something that other people would understand, it's like kind of like a Hitler's type regime where they're controlling all the media propaganda. Hanji. They're literally murdering people. Like, is there any other ways you could maybe... Not just furthering that, I'd say mm. the reason is their identity. Just the Jewish mm. people were massacred mm. um, in World War II and prior to that. In the same way, Sikhs were being targeted for one, their thought process, for the demands of basic human rights and social economical rights mm. and being punished for standing up for their own needs. Um, so I would even argue that for a Sikh not to know about 1984, that's the equivalent of a Jewish person not knowing about the Holocaust. And it's, when, you, when you put it like that, it is obviously, in terms of numbers, the Holocaust was, was much more. Mm. But in terms of what happened and how it happened and the reasoning behind it, I would say they're very, very similar. You have mm. a dictator, power hungry, Hitler, Indira Gandhi, mm. finding a scapegoat, the Jewish people. or And, and they polarized all the people, right? Yeah. Like, which is something happening even now, today. Yeah. In the, in the whole world, you're getting mass polarization between like the far right or far left or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's getting worse and worse, right? So it feels like it's getting to another like boiling point. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and when all you're being supplied with in terms of information is negative against sick, mm. then the rhetoric will be that. Mm. Uh, and that's why it's important to take propaganda with a pinch of salt and make sure you do your independent, independent work. Mm. But we're very blessed now that we've got so many articles, so many eyewitness accounts to show that what was propagated in 1984 was quite the contrary to what mm. actually happened. So then we go on to June the 4th and there's reports of at least 20,000 members of Sangat that were trapped in the complex. And on the 4th of June, the electricity in the water is cut off. And that's been done, one, to make the living conditions for the Sings fighting in Harmandar Sahib very hard, but also for the members of Sangat to suffer as well. And at the 4 a.m., we have the army start shelling at al -Takht, and Gyani Karpal Singhji, who was one of the main grantees at Harmandar Sahib at that time, hears this themselves. And this barrage continues until the 6th of June. So just to add to that, this is Amatvilla, right? When all the Gursiks are doing their like part and meditation and prayers, Anji. they're sitting there peacefully and then the army chose to attack at that point. So it's a very like a dirty tactic for on their side, right? It is. And, you know, um, fighting even within within battles, I guess you have you have uh, rules of engagement. All of that went out the window. Depriving people of water mm. is simply inhumane, mm. especially when they know there's only probably two, 300 people that are fighting back. Mm. But there's 20,000 people, children, women, elderly, that are stuck in June, which is one of the hottest months in India, mm. being deprived of that water. Many of them perished just because of the lack of hydration. Mm. Um, and we hear reports of Indian soldiers telling women, telling children to drink their own urine if they're thirsty. So these are the, this is the state. And also, if you have Indian soldiers speaking like that, it's quite clear what their commands would have been as well. Because a, a soldier doesn't just go out of their way to say those kind of things or act mm. in that kind of way. Mm. That's come from a higher chain of command and that's come with intent. Um, so yeah, we even hear of Kirtanis that continued their seva 
Um, one cut comes to mind of Bayavtar Singh Ji, he was 65 years old and he was blind and he was shot as he was leaving Harmandar Sahib. Uh, what, you know, how, can you, how can you justify that? A blind Kirtani leaving his duty was shot in cold blood whilst leaving Harmandar Sahib. Um, and I guess there's no evidence to suggest that there was any shooting, any retaliation from the actual Harmandar Sahib complex. Obviously around the complex you have Singh stationed, but there wasn't anyone in Harmandar Sahib fighting or shooting. So the questions argued, the question asked is why was there shots towards Harmandar Sahib at that point? And the evidence we have for that is even one of the sarups of Guru Granth Sahib Ji, uh, around Sukhmi Sahib in the first 200 angs, I believe, a bullet was pierced. Mm. So there's plenty of evidence to suggest that this was a full-scale attack to just cause as much destruction as possible without any real justification. Mm. And also we start to see now at midday on the June the 4th, around 30,000 villagers across Punjab start to gather after hearing about what's happened at Amritsar. Um, and we have generals like General Sundarji who authorized deadly fire to disperse these people. And out of those, even a hundred of those became Shaheed. And so we, we also have to remember at that point in Punjab, there was no uh, media like that was getting out to all the people in the bins, right? Yeah. They, it was just passed by word of mouth. Yeah. So all of that, like when people say, oh, why didn't people come and to Darbar Sahib yeah, after? Yeah. They, they didn't know. There was no information getting out because there was a, a what do you call it? Media when the, blackout. A media blackout. It's interesting because, you know, with the whole Ukraine war, mm. and a lot of us thought, oh, this is going to be the first war that's on social media. Mm. But how many clips have we actually seen of the war? Mm. I haven't really seen anything. Mm. So even with the power of social media now, look how suppressed things are. Yeah. So imagine back then when no one had a smartphone, mm. how hard it would have been to access information. That would have taken days to trickle down. Yeah. Um, and just ad addressing one of the misconceptions as we go along, a lot of people say, oh, the Sikhs had a chance to surrender. And General Sundarji, who is one of the main leads of Operation Blue Star, he quotes that we went inside with humility in our hearts and prayers on our lips. And it's really important that we realize that that was not the case. There's, I've got a screen full of quotes I can, I can rattle off, but one that comes to mind is um, again from the Citizens for Democracy, a report to the nation by, uh, talked about an operation in Punjab that was published in 1985. Um, and the author writes that no one inside the Golden Temple had yet realized the sinister plan of the authorities. Punjab had been sealed. Amritsar had been sealed, the Golden Temple had been sealed, thousands of pilgrims and hundreds of Akali workers had been allowed to collect inside the temple complex. They have been given no inkling or warning either of the sudden curfew or the imminent army attack. It was to be a black hole type of tragedy, not out of forgetfulness, but out of deliberate planning and design. Uh, and you know, there's, there's pl plenty of other ones as well. Uh, the Guardian even reports it in 1984 that the Sikhs were shot at point blank range, their hands tied behind their backs with turbans. It was a virtual massacre. So I'm not going to spend all day talking about these things because they're easily accessible online. Mm. But it's important to realize that we're not just mm. these things are readily available. So yeah, just carrying on, I guess. So on the June the 5th, this was the last full day where the daily routine, the Mariyada Harmandir Sahib was remained intact. Um, after that, the bombing continues throughout Harmandir Sahib and now fires also start to spread. Um, on the Sesri, if you see the face of Akal Takht, we see that distraught picture where the face has just been obliterated um, but we still see the Sikh resistance continue and it's now concentrated on the Langar Hall on top of the Langar Hall and Akal Takht and we see great Gurmukhs like Pai Amrit Singh Ji who was the head of the All India Sikh, Sikh Student Federation um, also stationed there and leading the battle and what's really interesting is Sanjana Singh Ji also does an Ardas as well 
for the battle. So keeping Gurmukhi, keeping Gurbani in the midst of all of this and realizing that was their, their source of power. One really important thing to realize on June the 5th is that 7 p.m. 40 other Gurdwara in Punjab were attacked. Now, how do you explain that? How do you explain 40 other Gurdwara in Punjab being attacked simultaneously with so, no so apparent reason? When, when people say, oh, they could have just moved out from Darbar, so why did they have to be there? But why did these 40 other Gurdwara get attacked then? There's, mm. there's simply no other reason mm. except for to su- suppress the Sikhs mm. and to cause as much pain within a Punjab at that point. And by 9 p.m. on June the 5th, there's a total blackout in Punjab. Electricity is cut off to everyone. Charities, non-government organizations, and all of these other independent people were not allowed to report on anything. What we hear of very interesting stories as well in terms of the resistance is that quite often... Um, at this point, the army was struggling to get into Harmandir Sahib because of the resistance. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize the Singhs didn't have like, you know, crazy artillery. Mm-hmm. They didn't have um, rocket launchers or any of these things. Mm-hmm. They had Sten guns and anything they could buy mm-hmm. cheap off the market, right? So the fact that they're putting the res- this, re- this resistance against the might of the Indian army, over 70,000 members of the Indian army were brought into Amritsar over these few days was incredible and and they sent the elite commandos right these are guys who we would say like the SAS is the elite British forces I'm just literally just yeah. about to talk about that so mm. at that point led by Amrit Singh Ji they sent this contingent of commandos back from the Halangar Hall so on June the 5th at 10 o'clock at night the commandos actually trying to take a contact and they actually dive in through the Sarovar and they were sent back after two waves mm. so a wave of them came sent back another wave of them came sent back and after that the cowards of the army had no other reason, had no option but to bring in tanks uh, and 12 heavily armoured vehicles. And this was first towards Akal Takht uh, and the domes were destroyed. And within Akal Takht, the Saroops and a lot of our history also um, were destroyed in the meantime as well. And I think they also relocated a lot of them as well. Mm. So obviously realising that things aren't getting any better, mm. um, precautions were taken to try and preserve a lot of things. Mm. But what we'll see as we come later on in the day is that there's a specific tack um, actually on our history and the secret reference library that over the 8th and 9th of June mm. once everything was kind of fizzled down in that sense these things were set alight on purpose mm. which again begs the question the, the fighting is apparently over so why is this being mm. burnt and why is the blame being shifted on other people when there's evidence to, to, to suggest mm. that it was deliberately done um, so on and, the June the and si- this is after they supposedly uh, like got rid of the leader of the of the um, Sikhs uh, Sam denouncing right they say this is after that day yeah so this is um, on June the, between the 7th and the 9th mm. uh, where the kind of cleanup operation starts if you like mm. and the looting of the what we call the Toshakana the 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 I'm trying to think of the best way of uh, um, treasury the treasury of the of, mm. of, of Harmandir Sahib the Sikh reference library um, all being looted and then the rest being burnt alive. Mm. Uh, we see that over 103 historical paintings were taken. Um, also 20,000 rare historical documents, a canopy from Maharaj and Jit Singh Ji's time. All of these things were taken and even the Golaks were mm. emptied at Harmandir Sahib. That's the extent they went to try and... These are like priceless artifacts. Like if we were to say we go to Vatican and their archives and their most most precious things, right? This is literally what the government have come and wiped out for the Sikhs. Yeah, and this was very organized as well. It wasn't, Mm. you know, army soldiers would not have been given free reign to just go and explore where they wanted. Mm. These were specifically targeted areas where they were going to, you know, if you take a, a community's history... That's one of the foundation stones of their spirit. 
And it's always said that if you want to destroy a community, you destroy their history first. And that's, we've not only seen that in 1984, we've seen that from the British, we've seen that from the Mughals times. And that's something that we'll always continue to do because our history is so rich and fl and, and, and flourishes um, and something that we take a lot of inspiration from as well. Um, Hanji, so then as the fighting starts to fizzle down, now a lot of the things have become Shaheed. Um, we also, one family I want to talk about in particular, um, many of you may have seen this picture of two young girls, Bibi Satanam Kaur, Bibi Waiguru Kaur. And again, just talking about the spirit of the Sikhs at that time. So Gyani Mor Singh, who was a great Gurmukh, um, and Bibi Pritam Kaur and their two daughters were at Harmandir Sahib and quite often uh, were running errands for the Sikhs that were fighting, bringing them uh, langar, prashada, opani, or ammunition. And he initially was actually of a Brahmin background. And when he met Sant Kartar Singh, he came into Sikhi. And his uh, daughter, he had three daughters, Satanam Kaur, Vaiguru Kaur and Ajit Pal. Ajit Pal being the youngest who wasn't there at the time. And they spent a lot of time with Sant Janel Singhji and they were there. Um, they were by a bunker right next to the area where Baba Deep Singhji's um, Astan is, Astan is yeah, that, that place where that commemorates Baba Deep Singhji's cease coming. Mm. And when the tanks enter after that second, third wave of commandos failed, the tanks enter and Bibi Satanam Gaur, Bibi Waiguru Gaur actually speak with their parents and their parents and their family have this decision that we are now going to give our last breaths trying to defend Harmandir Sahib and they take it upon themselves try and take these tanks and stop them getting as far as possible. So you have Gyani Mor Singh, Bibi Pritam Gaur and their two daughters who were aged eight and six strap themselves with grenades and run as close as they can to the tanks and by blowing themselves up, take those tanks and stop them in their paths. Right. And this is a, a mother and father not only sacrificing themselves, but their children. Now, someone might question, that's inhumane. Why would you sacrifice mm. your six-year-old, your eight-year-old child? But mm. it shows that their parents had so much love for Sikhi and value Sikhi so much mm. that they realized the value of giving their children in such a way mm. you know, of, of the 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 data that is Shahidi being a martyr in the house of Gurunat Devji is a huge blessing mm. and something and, that we need to normalize. And people that would question that, then they could, you could also point a finger at the Saibs out there as well then, right? Mm. Perfect Cause, example, cause right? You, you, could, you could say, why did Mata Gujariji allow that to happen? Yeah. Or why did Gugubi Singh send their own sons mm. at the age of 18 and 16, I believe, or something mm. similar to that, into battle. And not just said, oh, go and do it, but pumped them and said, go and show the world how you fight. Mm. And said to Baba Ajit Singh Ji, Show the world what your name means. Mm. Ajit means the one that cannot be defeated. Mm. You know? mm. So it wasn't that it's like Guru Gobind Singh led by the front. Mm. So it's a very, very valid point. Even the shortest Sahibs are there. What, what were their ages? The five and seven, I believe. Yeah, you know? Roughly. Mm. roughly. Uh, and they, you know, mm. shook the Darbar of the Mughals at that point. Uh, and Bibi Satram called Bibi Varuguru of a very similar age, mm. showing that age doesn't restrict. Wherever Guru Sahib does Girpa, we can achieve amazing amazing things mm. um, especially in defense of Sikhi as well um, Hanji and then yeah just rounding off we see now the the army start to come in and garbage trucks are brought in on June the 7th 8th 9th and 10th um, and also we see these bodies now this cleanup operation where people are trying to collect these bodies in bar garbage trucks and there's mass and scars mass burnings of bodies happening um, to try and get rid of all the evidence, in essence. And over the 9th and 10th of June, we see the, the last fighters attained their Shahidi. And you can kind of say by the 10th of June, the complex was fully under Indian occupation. 
and the keys were only actually returned to the Sikhs on the 1st of October after protests from Sikhs all over India at that point. And the last recorded Shaheed was by Major Singhji Naguki. He was a great Gurmukh as well. And he was famous actually for bringing uh, justice to the Panth by killing the Gurbachana, who was the Nirankali cult leader that we mentioned in 1978, yeah. who was actually leading all of that Biyadabi. Mm. So these great Gurmukhs weren't just there in the midst of it. They'd done the Kamayaji you mentioned and also played an active role in the Panth many, many years prior to that as well. Um, so yeah, very, very important to, to bear that in mind as well. And we see great mm. Gurmukhs like them attain Shahidi in those last final days. Mm. Um, we also see great Gurmukhs such as Bibi Upgarkar, um, who was the president of the Women's Wing of the All India Sikh Student Federation. And it's said that she fired so many shots with her gun that her shoulder actually came out of place. Wow. And so it's important for the BBR. Obviously, BBR have a very important role in terms of Langar Seva and all the rest of it. Mm. But there's also a place on the battlefield as well. Mm. Um, no matter how old you are, no matter how, how, how young you are as well. Um, and we also see Bibi Paramjit Kaur, who's a sister of um, the uh, Bibi Amarjit Kaur, who's the wife of Fawjah Singh Ji. She became Shaheed whilst protecting a Sarup of Sri Guru Granth Sahib Ji so that the bullet wouldn't hit Sri Guru Granth Sahib Ji and hit her body instead. Mm. We hear these are two or three accounts and there are countless of individual personalities and the crazy, mm. amazing things they did in these few days. And and we can read all these Devanese, right? So do you have... Hanji, there's a book that I believe the NSYF, uh, sorry, it might be 1984 tribute. It's called mm -hmm. um, Sikh Martyrs. Mm -hmm. And it goes through a lot of martyrs that took, a lot of people that became Shaheed in 1984 and also um, mm -hmm. after that as well in the um, movement for the freedom of Punjab and the Kargular as it's called as well. Um, Hanji. So yeah, there's countless that we can read mm -hmm. about. So I'd urge anyone to to check out the NSYF channel, um, check out the 1984, tribu 1984 tribute website and also the Never Forget 1984 Even website. is there um, a book by a Carl Publishers, um, Game of Love? Yeah, he's done two actually in 1984. Mm. One's Reflection of 1984 mm. and uh, also Game of Love. Um, and also uh, Eyewitness Accounts. Mm. There's a book by Mark Tully and Satish Jacob, um, which is an independent um, narrative as to what happened. The books, uh, I think Basis of Sikhi, I've done a, I think last year in June, I published loads of books that I've read on it. Yep. So you can check out that post or maybe you can put a picture of it in the podcast, however works. Yep. Those are great books just to start off with. Yep. That'll get you going, Kanji. So what could we say that, what would you say now that happened after those 10 days, like June 10th, June 11th? Would you skip straight to... Um, November that year or what would you want to cover anything in between that time as well G? Yeah so I think there was just general outrage across the Panth mm. um, and as you mentioned protests throughout India mm. um, and out of absolute outrage for what had taken place the, the people a lot of people were hurting a lot of people lost loved ones mm. a lot of people um, realized that a lot of their things had become Shaheed and this culminates into October 31st where Satwan Singh and Beyonce Singh took it upon themselves to avenge this and shot Indra Gandhi uh, mm. on Halloween in that sense, in that year, um, which also then started the, the Delhi riots in November mm. and the Kalukara in Delhi, um, where Sikhs again were massacred and targeted throughout Delhi and also in Punjab, mm. looted, shops, houses burned, women raped, mm. and started the second round of violence within 1984, if you like. Mm. But it's interesting because I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a statistic, I can't remember exactly how many days, it's something like 183 days 
within 183 days of anyone attacking Harmandir Sahib, they've died. Mm. Whether it's Ahmed Shah Abdali, whether it was any of the Mughals, whether it was the British, whether it was Indira Gandhi, this sense. Anyone that's dared to attack Harmandir Sahib has always found the same fate. Mm. And that was how it was with Indira Gandhi as well. Um, and then November 1984 is a whole other podcast in itself as well, I Definitely. guess. And even just when it comes to Akartak Sahib as well, because like you said, the, obviously the whole complex in itself, especially Akartak Sahib, was... Um, was you know smashed to pieces in one respect, right? With the the shelling and stuff. Hanji. And even when they started to rebuild, yeah, uh, I remember uh, meeting a Guru Sikh who passed away a, a few years ago, and they talked about how they did save a, a rebuilding Akartak Sahib. But even then, they would be picked on by the Indian government as well. And he was actually imprisoned, and uh, like they used their torture tactics and stuff like that. They actually split his legs, wow, um, and stuff. So it, it wasn't just then, right? It wasn't just June. Uh, even before November, whatever the dates were, um, people were still being, you know, singled out uh, and still being tortured and, and attacked. Yeah. Uh, you know, for having the identity and, like you said, the morals and the principles that Sikhs had, right? Yeah, and th- this was just the beginning of the next eight nine years, I guess, up until mm-hmm. 1993, 1994, where we have many many more operations. There was Operation Woodrose, um, where over eight thousand people went missing up to the time in October 19. 19- 1984, excuse me, mm. um, again, which is targeting Sikhs, um, anyone that holds to be a threat to the Indian state, mm. basically an excuse to, to attack and pick up any innocent Sikhs. Mm. Um, and then we have things that are more sinister, like Operation Shuddhikaran, and this is quite disgusting in its, in its, own, in its own way, because Shuddhi means to, to purify, yeah. Karan means to, to purify something. So the state or the Punjab police, however you want to describe it, actually had an operation which meant to purify the Sikhs. And their operation was to try and rape as many Sikh women as possible so that we can, I guess, um, infiltrate their bloodline so that the Sikhs can no longer be born as pure Sikhs. And in a, in a very sad attempt to try and take Sikhi away and to diverge that next generation of Sikh. And over the, the next few years, we find over 250,000 Sikhs killed up until 1992 in these various operations. Um, in these these fake encounters, uh, and also in 1986, which is really important, two years after we find the Panth come together, um, led by Panj Sikh at Galtakht, where again over uh, 200,000 Sikhs came to Galtakht um, to declare that now we are fighting for our own homeland, Khalistan. Mm-hmm. So two years after the attack in 1984, the Panth came together and put a formal declaration to say that we are not safe here. We are now going to fight and do everything in our means to try and get our own homeland, however that might be, mm. whatever that might have looked like. And sorry, just one more thing came to mind. The Darbar side was attacked again, right? And was it Operation Black Thunder? Yeah, Black Thunder, Hanji. So, so there, were, there, were, there were all these fake premises mm. where we, there's ex-terrorist in Harmandir Sahib or mm. there's ex-militant in Harmandir Sahib. Mm. And it wasn't just 1984 in June. These attacks happened for the next, 20, for the next 10, 15 years. Mm. Yeah. And now the attacks continue. Mm. It's just now they're not using guns. It's taken a different form. It's, it's gone mm. underground. The mm. attacks are on our, you know, on our farmers' prices. The attacks are on our Punjabi. Mm. The attacks are on our land and the geography we have. Mm. The attack is on our water, so our crops don't come out good. So when people talk about this concept of like Khalistan and all, all this, it's become a very big taboo yep. topic, as you know, right? Yeah. But this is like after years and years and decades, you could say, of agitation. And our demands not being not not falling on deaf ears, basically. Panji. It, it, it leads to a point where you can't take anymore. So people have to demand their own like their own rights, and they have to take it yeah. in a sense, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, 
if if you've tried since 1947 after giving 70% of the lives for a country to then be found in a country that doesn't recognize you for who you are that doesn't treat you equally but rather bullies you and attacks you independently then after 50 years of that and still realizing that this state this country that we've made or we've had a huge part in sponsoring then decides and feels that they can attack our most holy place and then for another 10 years attacks and picks up your youth and rapes your women and attacks your identity and attacks your history if all of that doesn't culminate into you realizing that you're not safe here and there needs to be another way then i'm not sure what will <laughs> and I, I, there's nothing left mm. now what that what that answer is whether it's Khalistan or something else I don't know mm. but for me all I know is that we're not safe in Punjab mm. and our history has shown it and it can still continues to show it there are biadabis that happen of Guru Granth Sahib Ji constantly the Kisan Morcha all of these things are just reminders constantly that it's not right and it's not sustainable and something will need to be done at some point mm. the answers for that I don't have <laughs> But um, say on an individual level, what yeah. can we do, right? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think when you come into Sikhi, and I came to Sikhi, um, it's quite overwhelming and mm. quite saddening. You just you just see all these bad things like, you know, um, Sikhs are getting converted in Punjab. There's more alcohol shops than there are schools in Punjab. Mm. One in third youth in Punjab are addicted to nashe. Like, what's mm. going on? You just feel like attacks coming left, right, the, and center. The water right? levels is the, the water level. You know, NASA has predicted mm. that Punjab will be a desert by 2050. Mm. I think it's important to always reference Gurbani. Mm. Uh, and within Gurbani, Guru Arjan Dev Ji Maharaj says that Abchal Neev Tari Guranaanik Net Net Chadaisavai. It's important to realize that that's a land of our gurus, Anna. That's that's where God decided I'm going to create this bond that will that will revolutionize this world, mm. and there's no force on earth that can stop that. Even though it might look like nothing's going our way, mm. if you look at our history, we got to a point in the nine in, in the 1700s, 1730s, 1740s, where there was about twenty thousand Sikhs left, and they were eating tree bark, but then they came back within fifty years to actually take control of Punjab. Mm. So within a generation, anything can happen, you know. In essence, it's all when Guru Sahib does kirpa. But mm. we as Sikhs have to put our own effort in. Mm. Right? Guru Sahib will do kirpa on those that put effort in. Mm. So on an individual level, I think the first thing is just education. Learning about what's happening, because that's um, that's a huge task in itself. And so how can you learn about what's happening? Follow people that are investigating these things. Saving Punjab is is one of the one of the best ways. It's an organization, a think tank, that are conducting research on Punjab and looking at ways that we can actually start overcoming a lot of these problems so saving punjab i definitely recommend you you follow my instagram or facebook um and start reading about listen to the eyewitness accounts when you go to punjab ask your pindus um is it quite interesting actually i spoke to my chacha mataya my cousin they're all uh, farmers huh? and they have ketiwari in india i went uh two months ago and they're just telling me about the other options there are in farming so now it's very big on, on wheat. Huh? Punjab produces a lot of wheat. But before it wasn't wheat. It mm. was cotton and all these other things that didn't require so much water. And rice. And rice, rice yeah. Rice is a very big uh, detriment to the soil and stuff. Right? Yeah, but it's interesting to realize where did this come? Mm. This is only a 20-30 year thing. Mm. In the 1970s, led by Indira Gandhi, the Green Revolution took place where mm. seeds were imported from Mexico and mm. all these other countries because Punjab traditionally didn't farm the things it does now. Yeah. And that 
put such a huge drain on water. Mm. So there's no reason why we can't start farming those other things. There are alternatives. Um, mm. But I guess it's very hard to change a culture very, very quickly. Even like things like palm trees, wherever you go in Punjab, that's not native to Punjab. Anji. And palm trees are known to drink a lot, a lot of water. Anji. So even that, the plants that have been brought into Punjab is all to basically drain it and to dry it out. Anji. So I think there are definitely things we can do locally. Mm. Um, but I think it's just having a chat with locals in Punjab, seeing what's happening underground. Mm. I learned so much. Uh, there are alternative solutions. Obviously, it will take effort, money and time. Mm. And above all, Guru's Kirpa to overcome those things. But the first way of resolving a problem is to learn about it. Mm. And there are plenty of ways we can learn about it. Then I think it's important to see what you can do locally. If you're living in the diaspora, raise awareness on these things. And, you know, if you have an option to go to Punjab or go to Dubai, mm. you know, go to go to Punjab <laughs> and see what you can do. Yeah. Um, we're very blessed to actually do seva with kids in Punjab and run a Gurmat camp there. And this was one thing that really blew my mind and realized that nothing can touch Punjab. Punjab is never going anywhere and mm. Punjab will flourish no matter mm. what anyone tries to do. Yep. Um, so we, we run a camp there uh, with Lions MMA, which is an organization that run it along with the SGPC. Um, I'll talk about the SGPC in a second as well, actually. It's quite interesting. But there's over a thousand kids that come there and a lot of them have no knowledge on Sikhi. Like, mm. They know Japi Sahib. They've heard of Japi Sahib and that's it. If you ask them what Saveyi were, they had no idea. Mm. But the Sharda, the faith they had in Sikhi and the love they have for Sikhi is unparalleled, mm. even though they don't have no clue about it. And just by speaking to them, and as they learn a little bit, it means a lot for them. Mm. So in my eyes, to have change in Punjab, the youth are ready for it. Mm. But they just need direction, they need the tools. Even when we went recently, I felt it's not, so it's not all doom and gloom. Because we met so much youth that were like involved in so much, not not only like the Santia side or whatever like that, in conservation side, in heritage side, in yeah. like Gitan, in so many different areas of Sikhi. Yeah. So it's not, it's like there is hope, right? There's always hope. There's definitely hope. And I'll just give you an example. Um, so we did one this year and before COVID we did one as well. And there was a, a competition to see how many Barnia the kids had gone to, by off mm. by heart, how many prayers they had off by heart. And this 11-year-old girl, I remember her name is Komal Preet Kaur, she won it so that uh, the the Singh Sahib from Anandpur Sahib came and judged it. Mm. You guys want to have a guess how many Barnia she knew off by heart? 31. 31. 24. 32. Wow. She's 11 years old. Wow. I, I couldn't probably even name 32 Barnia to mm. you, Hannah. Mm. She had Sukhmi Sahib, all these other things off by heart. Mm. Asadivar. Mm. How do you explain an 11 year old girl wow. having these things off by heart? Anna? And when, when I saw that, I was like, you know what? No, Punjab is not going anywhere. Sikhi <laughs> is not going anywhere as well. Mm. Uh, it's really important, but you only get that homestyle, that that inspiration when you go and you meet these people, you get on the ground. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot to do in Punjab. There's a huge amount to do, mm. but it's important you engage with Punjab because then you see the little glimpses of hope and that's what keeps you going. 100%. Especially when you read about mm. this stuff, which is very heavy and hard to digest. Well, one thing just came to mind when we, we went to the... Um, Library in uh, the Barsa Parkarma. Yeah. And we met the artist there who was doing the portraits. Oh. And he's a very, very talented artist. Yeah. He's got very amazing paintings. And we were just speaking to him all that. He's a young guy. And we were like, so we were saying, How much do you earn here? And he was saying, I barely earn enough. He earns like maybe 60, 60 pounds a month or something. Wow. Which is literally nothing in, in ours. And when we related to pounds, right? Yeah. And, but he said, I'm doing this out of my prem, out of my love for Sikhi. 
So that tells you that it doesn't matter. Even if the you could say SGPC whatever have not treated him correctly, he doesn't care. He's still gonna do that server. Hundred percent. And that's that's someone deprived of funding. Mm. Imagine we had funding. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine what it could become. <laughs> and there's I know I've spoken to a few Gurmukhs that are thinking about how do we create an independent economy, Punjab and all these things. Mm. We have a lot of money in the month. Mm. And there's no reason why we can go back and start investing these things ourselves because quite mm. quite frankly, the government's not going to do it for us. <laughs> you know? So that might be the next steps in terms of um, you know, getting Punjab to where it needs to be. Mm. And if you look at the times of Maharaj and Jeet Singh Ji, mm. Punjab was the place to be. That was a place where science was flourishing, the arts were flourishing. Mm. We kind of had our Renaissance period and people from all over the world would travel to Punjab. And that happened within the space of 30, 40 years. So it doesn't take long. Uh, but then it can also fall very quickly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got enough evidence to show what the potential is. Um, and it's interesting also, when I said to my cousin, he was talking about water levels. Basically, the, the deeper you go, the more hazardous the water becomes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more expensive it comes to pump it out because you need bigger draining. And I asked him, so I was like, it was quite deep where they were, where they, the, where they were the water levels were, is a couple hundred feet. And I said to him, like, aren't, like what's the next step? Like, aren't you worried? And this is my cousin who, who is depending on farming in India. He has no other options. He can't go abroad. And he just said to me, he goes, mm-hmm. He looked at me, he goes, Dory, God will sort it. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried than he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we see that from Guru Sahib's time as well. Guru Amar Das Ji Maharaj, you know, they'll put rainfall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's wherever there's Sikhi, whether it's social problems, economic problems, religious problems. You just on that, um, Punjab means literally land of five rivers, right? And but how many rivers are left? There's just about three, I think, yeah. that cut through. They're not even in, in, in their entirety, right? Exactly. Also, something that the viewers, if you are interested in this line of thought, if you want to know more about how the landscape of Punjab and also the policies that have affected Punjab, you should uh, watch this documentary. It's called um, The Last Stand or The Last Battle. I can't remember. Do you remember Bhavan Singh what it's called? I think it's The Last Stand um, and it's... It's a great documentary that talks about how the water policies and how the state has affected all of these things um, to lead Punjab where it is now socially. So we'll put a link for it in the description. It's an hour long, but in terms of the facts and details, it's priceless. And mm-hmm. it will give you a great understanding as to how has how have things become so hard for Punjab mm-hmm. socially and economically um, in the past 40 years Did you want to mention Something about SGPC You were saying You wanted to say something Oh like yeah that. so The camp we organise It's with the SGPC So to anyone that doesn't know that Who that is That's the governing body For the Shiro, um, For the Gordwaras in Punjab The Shiromani Gordwara Parbanda committee um, And a lot of people Have a, ba- a lot of bad stigma About them uh, mm. And rightfully so I guess um, There's a lot more That needs to be done But when we were talking To the people that work For the SGPC a lot of them are really nice guys. Yeah. And they're you know, they're the ones that helped us organize this camp. They're mm. they're people, they're sick like us. Mm. They may not have the same direction as us of, mm. as us, but you have to realize they're in a very they're in a a, ver, a very vicious circle yeah. where it's very disheartening because when someone tries to do something, they're suppressed. But when they're given the chance, mm. a lot of them have a lot of love for Sikhi. And if they speak out, they're very easily... Their like, job's gone, right? They're gone. Their job's gone. Their that whole means, livelihood is gone. Yeah, so just because they're not as vocal as we are, mm. because we can sit here and, and say whatever we want in England, right? Mm. It's very important that we take things with a bit of context mm. and not just say, oh, SGPC or Maria, they, they don't do anything. When you go there and speak to the mm. people, they have a lot of love and they have a lot of plans for Sikhi as well. Mm. It's just that we have slightly different opportunities. Even, and I believe when the time comes, mm, they'll grasp it as well. 100%. And I just remember now again, we met um, 
recently the uh, one of the engineers at Darbar Sahib, like a very young guy, oh, wow. a very educated guy, and he's um, working on the uh, Ram Gariya Bunga. Oh wow! And so he's been working on like the uh, restoration of it, and he's like, we have all these plans to like restore it to how it was before and make like a museum here, teach people about the the Sikh missile period. Yeah, all of these, um, all this amazing stuff, right? So he's trying to do this all off his own back as a young engineer in Darbar Sahib. Anji. So I think um, just just in summary, as I mentioned, this is such an important part, and it's quite funny actually that. The Indian Army tried to wipe out Sikhi, mm. but look at us speaking about it now. One of the main things that got me into Sikhi was learning about 1984. Mm. So they probably did more good than damage mm. because because of the, the 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 opportunity for all these people to come shaheed and have these stories that we now read about and our children will read about. Mm. So many people came into Sikhi. Yeah. Mm. So it's quite funny how Guru Sahib's hukum works, right? Mm. A lot of people might say oh, thousands of people would mm. were killed, and obviously that's a very bad thing. But if you look at the bigger picture, that created a catalyst for people mm. to wake up and also to be inspired. To millions and millions. And literally, if we consider the alternative, if no one stood up and did nothing, yeah. then I remember in one of um, Santana Singh's speeches, he said that if if uh, like people say murder is bad, yeah. but then if we if we see something bad happening and we don't do anything to fight against it, then that's even worse. That's 100%. a bigger pop. Yeah, it is. So mm. who knows what could have happened if, if they didn't stand up. Andy. And we wouldn't be here speaking about them today. No? Mm. You talk about inspiration and was that, I guess, when it comes to 984, was that a big turning point in your life then as well when it comes to your Sikhi? Yeah, the, the, the biggest, I'd say. Mm. I think I heard about like, and you grew up going to the Gurdwara, seeing like pictures of Baba Deep Singh Ji with their cease in their hand. And I guess things that you can't relate to straight away. Mm. But with this stuff, there's videos, there's pictures, there's eyewitness accounts. You can hear mm. Sanjanel Singh Ji's videos. You can see pictures of Bayafal Singh Ji. Um, so the evidence was a bit more closer to home. And mm. I realized that the things people were doing 300 years ago, people mm. did it 30 years ago, mm. and it's real. And mm. people gave their lives and their children's lives for this. Mm. So there must be something behind it. Like I said, closer to home because it was only, it's going to be nearly 40 years in a few yeah. years, right? So it's not that long ago. So it definitely hits a bit harder, right? Because it's only just like a generation. Ago, Literally. Which our parents' generation. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of people you can meet today are uh, eyewitnesses uh, to that happening as well. Uh, and just moving forward then, G, what is the future then? So, you know, now we're seeing in 2022, it's going to be 40 years. Um, what do you see or, or what do you think the future is uh, when it comes to uh, 1984? Um, you know, this whole thing talk about justice and these things going for education. Um, what do you think it is, VG? Uh, I think there's no point asking justice from the people that perpetrated the crime in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've gone to the UN. I actually went to Geneva um, before I kept my gears. There's a funny picture of me in a Ramal mm. in this orange T-shirt in Geneva outside the UN headquarters, right? Where we got over a million sig signatures and all that money and effort was spent um, and nothing happened as a, as a result. Mm. Um and if we get an apology, then what, right? Uh, yeah, we're not going to get reparations mm -hmm. um, until there's someone of a Sikh statue, someone in the Pontic Sorch in power. And I can't see that happening anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I guess my, my final comments would be to not rely on anyone and not to trust anyone except for the Guru and the Pant. Mm -hmm. If we want any answers, quite often, it's, it's said that Raj isn't given, Hana. King, kingdoms aren't given, they're taken. Mm -hmm. Whatever that might mean for us, I don't know. But I realized that by knocking on the door and handing some paperwork over, no one's going to give us what we're asking for. Mm -hmm. They'll just keep taking. Mm -hmm. um, so going forward, I think that's that's the that's the way we need to view things with.
And what's happening now then? What what are the you know, there's a lot of great go to six initiatives and organizations, you've got a lot of great seva yeah. right now. So what is happening? What can people do and what can they get involved in? Yeah. Um to help support this movement yeah. or just to educate themselves or just someone might be sitting there learning on this th- learning on this stuff now thinking, I want to learn more, I want to do more. So what would you say? Uh, for that yeah so i think obviously 90 uh, basics have got a channel uh, a playlist the 1984 playlist by mm. Singh, he's done a lot um thus uh, myself i've done a few talks on it as well mm. um so those are the first things you can engage with mm. also the books mentioned we'll put a book list out on the description if that's okay 100 um the books you can order off amazon um also channels like nsyf national Sikh youth federation do a lot of work on 1984 mm. and also the concept of khalistan so if you're interested in what khalistan means or where the idea originates from you could check them out and also for anyone um, that's interested there's a new documentary that's come out by the nsyf um that they talked about 1984 and got everything you've you've seen that right so do you yeah. want to mm. plug that a little bit <laughs> yeah i had to saw it yesterday and hopefully we're going to do a, a in podcast with the uh, filmmaker soon great uh, by azad Vich Singh. okay so um is is amazing really probably one of the most uh, well-made documentaries on 1984 mm. like literally the everything from the storytelling to like the special effects to the audio visual stuff it was just amazing the way that and it's taken a long time as well they've yeah. been i think they said since 2016 they've been making this so time. it's literally and they've also gone through so much hardship just to get it out there now yeah. because they were saying like the indian government called ahead to whatever ven- venues they booked and basically um told the venues to cancel yeah and so it's, it's they're literally there's still all this hardship that we're talking about is still going on today yeah, yeah the yeah. indian government is still trying to suppress so where we say it's a democracy freedom of speech all of this it doesn't exist right yeah yeah so that's something i'm going to be watching on sunday as well actually so i can't wait for it mm. um so there's so much to get involved with i think the first thing mm. is clearing yourself up as to what happened um and then also educating other people you go to your local gordwara uh, and on the nsyf page and the um, Sikh Edu Council, Education Council page uh, run by Harwinder Singh from Nojwani. Mm-hmm. They've got these great infographics that talks about the 1st to the 10th of June, day by day. Uh, what I did literally last weekend is I printed them out, photocopied them and made three and I just stuck them on the Gwadwala walls. Mm-hmm. So people that come, they'll see a picture that captures their attention and they might just read them and that might spark um, their interest in us. So I think it's important to get the conversation going and normalize people to make it normal to talk about this in June 1984 and we need to get rid of that taboo just as we remember um, the Jewish community suffering at the hands of Hitler our own community as a minimum should be acknowledging what's happened and mm-hmm. then start thinking about steps to rectify and also learn from our past mistakes as well mm-hmm. um, whatever way shape or form they were 100% and uh, VG any more comments or questions um, I think just maybe to finish off um, what does it mean for, uh, for both of you if you can answer what does it mean to be Jardikala? Yeah so I think Jardikala so Jardi means continuously rising Kala is your state right mm. um, it's a state of always always rising uh, and from both aspects when bad things have come or really happy times come mm. not letting them change where you are not letting them um, change your resolve, not getting too excited at times and not mm. getting too down at times. Mm. And where does that come from? That I guess you can call it the world talks about being at peace or being calm or being um, at one with yourself. How do you want to describe it? Mm. Guru Sahib has given us the, the prescription for this. And that is quite simply by reading Gurbani, by learning from your history and by, re, um, by doing Seba. Those three things mm. will make you 
into such a human being that no matter what comes in your way, just as the sings and singing of the past did, whether there's the army tanks of the Indian army coming at you, or you're going through a stressful period in your life, whatever it is, you remain you remain in a in a in a good stable place. Um, mm. Stability was the word I was thinking of. So that's mm. for me what Jardika means. Always keeping faith in your guru, mm. um, and realizing that there's always a bigger picture, mm. whether something amazing is going going on or something very dreadful has happened. Mm. Um, and history is a great way of looking at that and learning from other people, mm. um, because our history, in some places, has been very very hard to fathom. Mm. You have you know at the times of Mirmanu's jails, mothers, the the children of mothers, their limbs being cut and put around their necks. Like how do you how do you describe that to someone, right? Mm. And they're sitting there still reading Gurbani, mm. not questioning it. Hopefully none of us have to go through things like that. Mm. But if you're clued upon your history, you'll know what the band's been through and how they've got through it. Right. That's the right. for me. And uh, any other comments or from yourself, mm. your questions? No, just, just thanks for raising awareness on it. Um, mm. And I think definitely this, this history belongs to us all. It's not for me and Deep Singh or you guys to just mm. learn about and then forget everyone else. Mm-hmm. This is a part of, if you, if you define yourself as a Sikh or if you go to the Gurdwara on a Sunday, whatever it is, this is your history and you're a part of this. Whether you want to take an active step towards that is up to you. Mm. But no matter how many of us try and shy away from it, we mm. are all part of this. And whether it's something happens in the future, um, whether something currently happens in Punjab, we can't shy away from it. And it's mm. really important that we don't. And we embrace it um, and try our best to, to learn and, and mm. be inspired from it. Well, thank you so much um, for all the information that you shared with us today and all the research that you've done. Mm. Um, and hopefully this is just a start of, you know, many videos or series to come in the future, which we've been talking about for a long time. But again, like, these things do take time mm. uh, to prepare because uh, I know for yourself, so if you do something, you'll do it properly, right? Uh, so thank you for just giving us an overview. And I'm sure you say yourself, we're just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have got good kirpa, some good plans uh, for the future. So, you know, may that happen in the future. So, good kirpa, Karan. Uh, so, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on and sharing on this information. And uh, hopefully, we can continue to make more videos. If you have any questions or any suggestions, mm-hmm. what we could do going forward as well. Yeah. Uh, and um, then please do. And again, the description, how all the links to all the different uh, organizations and Gurusiks who have done save and the books and stuff that you mentioned already as well. So thank you so much. And forgive any mistakes. Anji, very possible. Why go to Jika? Why go to Jika? Why go to Jika?